my crowd's usually a real wiener fest. And a lot of y'all got messed up here, man. You're just losing your hair. You don't know what to do. Here's some, here's some actual facts for you. Two out of three bros will experience some form of hair loss by the time they're 35. More than 50 million men in the U.S. suffer from male pattern baldness. But now there's, you can do something about it, man. You can. Don't wait. Your, hair's gonna, your hairline's going to fold all the way back. Don't wait. Don't look like Brian Callen. Treatments can take four to six months to see results, so act right now. When it comes to your hair, save more, spend less. If you're ready to take action, prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com slash shop, S-C-H-A-U-B. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash shop to receive your first month of treatment for free. That's keeps.com slash shop to get your first month free, K-E-E-P-S dot com slash shop. Hey, man, if you watch any show I do, King This Thing, Firing the Kid, Shop Show, Food Truck, Fight Companion, I'm on one thing and one thing only. I'm not talking about whiskey. I'm on Kratom. It helps energize my mind. I love it. All right. It just helps me feel good. Super Speciosha has only one ingredient. We're talking about pure Kratom leaf. Also, Super Speciosha offers 100% satisfaction guaranteed or your money back. All right. Uh, try Kratom right now. Get 20% off. Go to getsuperleaf.com slash shop. Get 20% off with the promo code SHOB, S-C-H-A-U-B. That's getsuperleaf.com slash shop. Use the promo code SHOB for 20% off. Ride through the city like Brennan Shop. I'm on a mission to get it all. Ride through the city like Brennan Shop. If you ain't thick, please don't get involved. And now, Brendan Thick Boy Shop. What's up, thickies? There comes thickers. It is Monday morning, March 7th, on this very special edition of the Shop Show. Welcome, kiddos. When I say kiddos, really welcome adults, grown men. My crowd's a real wiener fest. We know this. So what's happening, man? Um, yeah, man. It's, uh, the fight world is popping. As usual, the fight world is popping. Uh, had a great weekend. We had a Calabasas fight companion. Um, it was a long time coming. Finally, Josh Barnett and I were able to link up uh, with Matt Mitrione and do a Calabas fight command for UFC 272. Um, you know, what's interesting is, you know, Barnett's been in the fight game for, I don't know, 25 years, and him and I have never really crossed paths. We, we had a bunch of mutual friends, um, you know, um, we, we just know a, a lot of the same people, but we've never really connected. And he's a, a LA guy. He lives in Hollywood, so he's not far from me, but we've just never connected. And then uh, Mitrione and him know each other really well. They used to train together. And uh, so I was excited to get him on because um, I had mentioned to Matt before when Matt was talking about Josh. I was like, oh, dude, he's one of my bucket list guys I'd love to have on. So uh, the War Master came on, and boy, he is uh, – you know, you always have certain expectations of, of guys, especially fighters or comics or whoever I have on the shows. And I, you know, I obviously Josh Burnett has been on Rogan and I talked to Rogan about him. He's like, dude, smart dude, you know, you're going to love him. And so you have these expectations, but he exceeded all that, man. He's just a smart, bad mama jamma. He's just a smart, smart dude. Uh, as tough as all get out. You know, just a legend of, of the sport and his knowledge on history and fighting and cars. He's a gearhead. And then, you know, he's just uh, he's fantastic, man, because, you know, we 
if I have Matt on, you know, Matt can talk. Matt's a chatty Kathy, so I, I never get worried about Matt. Um, you just don't, with, I, Josh and I don't know each other. I know, you know, with Rogan, he's a, you know, he can talk, but, you know, sometimes you get in situations where you book guys and if you don't know each other or they're not part of the crew, some guys shell up. There's guys who, you know, when the cameras aren't on, they're f- amazing. You'd be like, oh my God, this guy could make millions of dollars in podcasting and, you know, talking, being an analyst. And then the cameras turn on and just the dynamics different, or maybe they're in a bad mood. You never know, man. But Josh Barnett was not one of those guys. He freaking saved the day, man. And I'm forever grateful to him. And we'll get him on a flashback fight night in a food truck. That's for damn sure. I could talk to him for days, 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 days. So imagine a flashback fight night with Josh Barnett. So be, we can't limit to three fights. No. You can't. That has to be a. We you could even just skip food truck. Just do a flashback mm-hmm. fight night because he's gonna have six to ten fights. I mean, he's fought everybody. That you go to through the pride days, all that stuff. What the mm-hmm. pancreas days? He's just a legend, man. So um, he brought his whiskey. I know whiskey. I would say I have my blue belt in whiskey and bourbon. He is a straight black belt. The stuff he was talking about, I was like, oh, my God, this dude is balls deep in whiskey. And I love that his whiskey, um, you know, the Warmaster edition of it, his is different than mine. It's a smoky flavor, but it, goddamn, is it good? It is good, man. His is selling out, and his is a little different than mine. They do it out of, I think he said, Oxnard, California, which I love when it's uh, distilled and made, you know, in local and in California. And he's crushing it, man. He's just crushing it. The Warbringer, there it is. Yeah, it was nice. It was really, really nice, man. So hopefully, hopefully that takes off for him. I, I know it's, you know, crushing it already, but it was good. It was strong. Did you try it, Chin? I feel like you'd like it. I don't think I tried it, so I'm gonna try oh, it. Oh, why you didn't try it? To- we'll try it on Fire and the Kid. All right, cool. Yeah, for yeah. Sure. yeah. It's a, it's a. If you like, like, which I thought you did, you liked like that smoky. I like your whiskey, so it's something around that kind of thing. Yeah, more That's smooth. Like, yeah. yeah, his is smooth, but smoky. It's good. It's and then cast strength too, so it's it's strong. But that dude mm. is just a wealth of knowledge. Yeah. I mean, again, I refer to myself as a hype beast gearhead. You know, like I know cars. Any car, I would say ninety seven and up. Your boy knows what it what's inside out. I know that stuff. Now, can I get in there and fix the headers and shit like Josh Barnett? No, 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 no. That's not what he can. He'll do that. And when he's talking about gears and, um, you know, the transmission and the stick shift and all that stuff and switching it out. I mean, Matt thought he was speaking Portuguese. You know what I'm saying? It's just Matt was like, I have no idea what you guys are talking about. He, but it was, you know, that dude knows a thing or two about a lot of things. But uh, it, was a, it was a fun fight campaign. Obviously, completely different than the typical fight companions, you know, with Chris and Brian, which, you know, those guys barely watch the fights. We get, silly. Dr- yeah, we're silly. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, but that's the plan, man. I like to mix it up. Chris and Brian, Brian will be back. I think the next one we're going to try to do is for the big UFC fight night, which they should call it fight day. But, well, I guess it's night in England for the big UFC. And I think that's March. What is that? March 19th. March 19th, the Aspinall fight. And the, that card's pretty stacked. They, did they add tilt to that card or no? Let's see. Volkov uh, Aspinall is the headliner. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Aspinall wins that one. He's going to jump in the top five. Patty Pimble. Got Patty on that. Arnold oh, Allen, Dan, Dan Hooker. Hooker. Yeah, dude. Look at this card. Stacked. Mm-hmm. 
Krilov, Paul Craig's great fight. Gunnar Nelson, oh, Silva. Man. Great fight, dude. 1 p.m. 1 p.m. So that's Saturday afternoon. Uh, I know Chris is in. I'm going to figure out the other guest. But, yeah, I think, you know, obviously we do the big fight nights for uh, Jack, our boy our Jack boy Shore Jack is yeah. fighting as well. King the Sting alumni. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude, it's a really good card. And it's the first big card in England in a hot second. So something to celebrate. I think the the poster our boy Ruben's going to make can be pretty filthy. English inspired could be really dope. But those fight nights uh, campaigns are fun to do because then, you know, people aren't, don't have to pay 80 bucks. You can tr- turn the TV on, record it, listen to us, be dummies, you know, and do your thing. So I, I like doing not just for the huge pay-per-views. I really do. But yeah, the the companion obviously more fight heavy, a little more X's and O's as far as the fight game. But um, it was great, man. <clears throat> the card was just okay, wasn't it? It was just okay. Didn't blow your hair back. Um, you know, it was good. It was good. It was good. You know, it's kind of what I expected. Obviously, Fazeev, uh, you know, getting COVID hurt the card a little bit. Uh, Makachev not stepping up, man, is the, the UFC, when you don't help them out, man, they, they're going to discipline you. And, you know, I guess the discipline for him is you have to fight Dariush now, which isn't terrible discipline. And, you know, I do think he beats Dariush, but, um, you know, it, it was a quality card. Um, the, the main issue I have, our poor boy, Brian Kelleher, who fought fucking Umar is a, that he's just such a nightmare to fight. Yeah. Um, Dustin Jacoby. He was the first fight. It's so disrespectful. He was the first fight on the early prelims of UFC Fight Pass and on ESPN Plus, and I watched it. I think this dude's won six in a row at light heavyweight, and light heavyweight's not that deep, dude. How is he not ranked? Look at this kid. What? Look at this. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven wins in a row, one draw. He's a monster, man. And then, so he won, well, I'll count this as a UFC fight. He won uh, in the contender series, Dana White's contender series. That's how he got in the UFC. So one, two, three, four, five, six fights in a row. And he had one draw split. You know, how's it? And you look at the the light heavyweight, like, roster, it's not that deep, dude. How How's he not in there? I mean, there's some really good guys up there. Yeah, there's some really good guys. <laughs> You tell me he doesn't beat Johnny Walker? I'll bet anybody any amount of money you want right now, Jacoby starches Johnny Walker at number 12. Starches him. Hmm. Brian Spann be a good fight. Jimmy Crute, you know? Uh, Jamal Hill, obviously he's on the come up. I would love to see Jacoby versus Ozdemir. He, he, I'm, he's right there. Technical, like striking too. Dude, throw him in there with anybody you want. Anybody want? I'm, I'm telling you, man. If Thiago Santos has hands full with Jacoby, how that guy's not ranked in the top 15 is insane. The, anybody who makes those rankings, in what world do you not think Jacoby went starch Johnny Walker? In what world are you living in? You have that guy at 12. Based off previous hype, get the hell out of here. Drives me nuts, dude. But back to the card, he was, it's so disrespectful. He's your, the guy's one before that five in a row you got him kicking off the 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 card on ufc fight pass which nobody sees you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. so um tim elliott gets it done 
Uh, you were upset that your girl Yawn lost. Marina Rodriguez Yawn. Yeah, I thought that was not not a robbery robbery, but she definitely won. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then with the the main card, it kicked off with uh, your your boy Sergey and Greg Hardy. You know that was Hardy's last fight on his UFC contract. Um, he's lost uh, a good, I think, three in a row now. He's been finished. It, he just, you know, he doesn't look like he was in the best of shape coming into the fight. You know, I know that two sixty five stuff for him to make as well. Um, he hasn't exactly blown your hair back with the competition. Um, you know, lost to Tibera, which is a tough fight for him. Tied to Avasa, clearly a very tough fight mm-hmm. for him. And then lost to Sergey. Um, you know, I, I don't know what they're going to do with him. I, I really don't. It, you know, it was a fun experiment. Um, I know the UFC took some heat signing guy with his, you know, the baggage that came with this. I do believe in redemption. It's a little tough when it comes to domestic violence. Obviously, I don't know the exact details of all that. Um, but if the UFC didn't take a chance, somebody else would. So I get the experiment. Uh, but I think we've seen his ceiling, unfortunately. Um, the ground game, again, there's not enough hours in the day, no matter how hard he works at jiu-jitsu and wrestling, to make up for that lost time at his age. Um, so the blueprint to beat him is kind of out. And I, I don't see him winning a ton of fights. So obviously people tune in to watch him fight, I, I would assume. Love him or hate him, you're going to tune in to watch him fight. And if you're a Greg Hardy hater, which he has a ton, rightfully so, right, with his background, I get it. Um, but I said this on the campaign. You talk to Dan Thomas or uh, anybody who works with Greg Hardy, and they're just like, man, he just trains his ass off, comes in for work. You know, he's, he's a sponge. He's trying to get better, man. And unfortunately, the UFC just isn't the place to try and pick up that skill set. This is what happens. It's it's a marathon, not a sprint. But if you get to the UFC and you don't have the background and you don't have the experience, the UFC is not the place to get those that experience because you're getting the experience, but you're losing. And the UFC, the, the UFC just can't put up with it. They just can't. So. I'm curious what they do with him. You know, he did them a solid fight taking that Volkov fight. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know what they do with him. You, you look at the ceiling. I just don't know where, who, who's he going to beat. The lower level guys he's going to beat. But, you know, when you've lost four out of six fights, and this isn't a knock on him. It's just reality. It's fighting's very black and white, you know. But, you know, in the, in the NFL, if you're a starting quarterback and you throw – you know, six out of eight passes or interceptions, you're not playing football at the highest level anymore. You're just not. So for the UFC, you lose six out of four fights, and you're also, you know, tied to Avasa, you know, top guy, uh, Volkov, top guy. Other than that, man, it's you know, you're not, you're not, you know, these guys aren't blowing anybody's hair back. You're not, you're not beating or even competing with world champions. You know, so. Um, you know, the UFC does have a standard, and I, I think we've seen his ceiling. I think it was a fun experiment. I enjoyed it. I enjoy when Greg Hardy's fighting. Um, but I, I think as a business, you, you got to let him go and see what he wants to do. Mm. It's just isn't it, – it's just it, – it's a double-edged sword because at his age and with his athletic ability – you know, it's not like he's going to go to a regional circuit and get all the experience and come to the UFC at 40 years old. So, you know, it was uh, it was a fun experiment, 
this is typically how it's going to work out for guys, man. If you don't have the background and you're fighting at the highest level, the UFC is not where you want to gain experience. It's me, it's such a short-lived career. It just is. Uh, Kevin Holland, stoked for him. Uh, went back to welterweight after a few losses at middleweight. Um, pretty loosey-goosey still, right? Not the most disciplined dude. Got in a little bit of trouble with uh, Alex Oliveira, uh, the Brazilian cowboy. Um, you know, he did get his back in the end of the round, but he gave a thumbs up. Um, Barnett and I spoke about this on the fight companion is I, I love his antics inside the octagon. It seems natural, seems organic. doesn't seem preconceived. He didn't go in there like, Oh, I'm going to do this. It just seems like that's his personality. And I fucks with it. I think it's pretty dope, man. So, um, I'm glad Kevin Holland got a win, and I'm I'm sure that was such a relief after all the pressure and switching camps and you know training with DC and trying to get better. So uh, he's a big welterweight. I think you do a lot of damage there. So I was excited to see him get a win because I I can't imagine the pressure he was under. For Bryce Mitchell and Edson Barboza, you know Bryce Mitchell's 15 and one now. I think he's undefeated in the UFC. Is that right, Chen? Pretty sure undefeated. He's undefeated in the UFC. Sure. His one loss was outside the UFC. Mm -hmm. You know, he's the closest thing we have to a Khabib who's American as far as what he did to Edson Barboza. Now, was it as dominant uh, of a performance what Khabib did? I know, uh, you know, the commentating team compared it to Khabib. No, you're also talking about an older, uh, less motivated, um, less in his prime um, Edson Barboza. But still, for Bryce Mitchell to... It's his first big step up in competition to absolutely dominate, dominate, you know, 30-25, 30-26, 30-27, come on, whoever that judges. I'm cool with 30-26, 30-25 is an absolute freaking beat down. Um, you know, he's made me in trouble the first 60 seconds of the fight, you know, with the leg kicks, and outside that, he just completely dominated him. Obviously, Bryce Mitchell's been in the news going into this fight. Uh, I think he was on Ariel's show talking about, you know, vaccines and the government, stuff like that. I mean, I, the people who are upset or what you guys want to get on there and just, you know, not talk about how he feels or stuff that he's into. You'd rather him just be the, the cookie cutter guy who, you know, it's a tough camp. You know, I've been training hard. Hopefully I can get this win. Like, I, I hate that shit. And that's also personalities like Bryce Mitchell um, is is one of the reason reasons why mixed martial arts, especially the UFC blew up and skipped all these other major leagues because you have personalities like Bryce Mitchell. If Bryce Mitchell's in the NBA or NFL or NHL, dude, they're going to suppress all this. What's great about the UFC and Dana White, like do your thing, dude, do your thing. Like, if, like think about it. Strickland too. I'm sure like do your thing, but also <laughs> get up a little. Don't do your thing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like you can, but they're all, I'm sure they're not saying, Hey, we're not going to put you in main events. If you keep talking like this, Dan's like, do your thing, dog. You know? So, um, you know, the, the fans that want to harp on Bryce Mitchell and his political or, uh, vaccine beliefs, stuff like that. I mean, just have a little bit of open mind, man. You know, the guy's a, a professional cage fighter and one of the best in the world. His next fight's going to be a big boy, too. After you do that to Edson Barboza, it's off to the races now at featherweight. So I'm excited for him. 145 stacked already. It's great to have Bryce Mitchell in there. Um, and if I'm Bryce Mitchell, dude, keep living your truth, man. And I think one thing that will shut up the, the haters and the naysayers with you is when you get on the mic and go, so this kid made 90 grand, 45 and 45. And he goes, I'm going to donate 45,000, half of my salary mm -hmm. to a children's hospital to help these kids out who have no hope. Can't hate on that. 
you know, no matter what you what side of the fence you're on politically or with government or conspiracies or vaccines, when a guy goes, I'm going to take half of my salary and give it to sick kids. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then what's dope about Dana, he goes, the kid made 49, 45. I told him, keep your money. I'll, we'll take care of the 45, dude, which is great. And Dana White's taking care of it. And Bryce says, even though he's taking care of it, I still feel like I have to give back. Yeah, he's still he's going to give some money to him. You guys ever been charity. in one of those children's hospitals? No, I see commercials and I can't watch them. Bro, I was doing, when I was in the UFC, they asked me um, to uh, visit a children's hospital, I think in San Diego. I didn't have kids at the time. Now I definitely can't do it. Mm. But at the time, I've always wanted kids. I've always had such a soft spot for kids. I, I love kids. I've always wanted to be a dad. I wish I had 10 kids. Nothing is more important than kids to me. We go in this hospital and we get there and before we go in, they go, uh, hey man, so these kids, you know, you're going to see some shit, man. You're going to see some shit and these kids, everyone comes in and feels sorry for them, give, gives them sympathy and they cry. They don't want, they want to be treated normal. So don't let any of this get to you. And I was like, I'm fine, man. Yeah, I got this. No problem. When you go in and the kid has three months to live or, you know, he, he you know, he, he's, you're talking about brain cancers or, you know, the kids missing legs or the kids that there's, there's one uh, little girl who's in a bubble. She has some rare disease where if she touches any of the outside, like her immune system, she just, she's allergic to everything and she can't fit. And she also couldn't feel so hot, cold. If she's sick, she doesn't have that, those feelings, the nerves don't do that. So they have to constantly keep her in this bubble wrap, dude, or the kid, you know, literally the kid had three months to live. I walked in and dude, mm, mm, mm. Mm-mm. I just started crying, mm-hmm. walked out and was like, I can't do this. If I can't cry and like hug them and touch them, I can't do it. I literally, I could, I physically couldn't do it. It's impossible. So I'm sure Bryce Mitchell has had some experience or got some perspective going into those. And I advise you guys, if you are a Bryce Mitchell hater, you don't even have to be a Bryce Mitchell hater, but if you want to make the world a better place, Go visit one of those children's hospitals, man. It will change your perspective on everything. And you will realize all the shit that this rat race that we care about and, you know, views and social media and likes and reposts and retweets and haters and fans. And you realize it doesn't mean shit, dude. There's so much bigger things going on in this world. Like last night I was watching American Idol. I'm watching, you know, I love American Idol. I love it. There's this girl who's, she, you know, they uh, they know what they're doing. They're telling that this girl's from uh, Tuskegee, Tuskegee, Alabama, Tuskegee, Tuskegee. Yeah, she's from Tuskegee in Alabama, and I think that's where Lana Ritchie's from. So he liked her right away. Pretty girl, big girl, thick girl, but cool, thick. You know what I'm saying? Not like Lizzo thick, like cool thick, right? And she goes up there, but but I knew they're gonna try and get me to cry. Because she grew up like dirt poor, and, you know, in foster homes, uh, the whole family, and they grew up in trailer parks. She's the oldest. She was saying how hard it is and the, the scrounging for food and just to make ends meet. And her uh, little brother, who turned 16, just was sick of the rat race, took his own life. So that's when, she, and she's always had this talent to sing. Dude, she sang a Katy Perry song, uh, the I'm Wide Awake, dude. And Katy was like, that's. She gets, you know, Katie's tearing up, and Katie goes, 
that's better than what I do. She's like, you made one of my hit songs your song. No one can do that. Because so, it's always like such a risk to sing one of their songs in front of them. Because mm-hmm. obviously, they know the song like a motherfucker. Dude, it will give you chills. I, you're not a fr- You're a sociopath. If you can watch that and not feel some type of way. You got to be a goddamn sociopath. She was amazing, man. You want her to go on and get all the riches in the world and take care of her remaining, I think, three or four uh, brothers and sisters and her mom, you know? Mm-hmm. You're just like, God, I hope that girl makes it, man. You're just like, God, I hope she makes it. Um, but yeah, so all, all that goes back if if you, you know. But the point was, I was watching American Idol, and as I watch American Idol, I was uh, on uh, the internet just looking at Ukraine and Russia stuff, mm-hmm. and I'm watching these people and how, obviously for them, it's all, you know, ignorance is bliss but also for them it's like this is their shot and they're singing and there's judges and there's studio and they're in nashville and la and you know there's all this glitz and glamour i'm just thinking god like i get it from their perspective they're trying to get out whatever situation they're in that's all they know and that's all they can deal with but there's literally a war going on right now kids are dying people are dying they're trying to escape their homeland it's 2022 and if it's tough not to when you look at that stuff and you know, you're, you're watching things, but you know that's going on. It's just so insane to me, man. It's so insane. And I, I, don't, I don't know what you can do. Those, those anonymous guys, the anonymous crew, you know what I'm talking about? The anonymous crew, who, the hackers who hacked in the Russian government and they hack online and shut them down, stuff like that. Those, those, those guys are doing the Lord's work. Mm-hmm. You know, because, you know, obviously Russia's good at that stuff, but not better than our guys. They're just not. And uh, that anonymous group is doing what they can because really, what can you do? You're talking about an, a, a, a madman and, you know, Putin. And it's like, what do you do? And he has nuclear weapons. What do you do? You know? And then, you know, you, go, you get in too deep and they're getting pictures of kids dying. It's dark. It's war, dude. It's all the videos and I just can't watch them. Yeah. It, 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 it literally, you know, my girl this morning, she was like, why'd you change? I'm like, I, I can't. I can't start my day with this stuff because it will literally f- bleed into everything I do. No pun intended. It will literally uh, bleed in. Hate to say it again. Will bleed into you know the shop show and I find the kid later and I have my meetings later. It will bleed into all that stuff. It's just it's tough to be funny. It's tough to be creative. It's just when you know that stuff is going on, and it makes you seem what you're doing is just such bullshit, dude. You know, yeah. it's crazy, crazy. But that whole long rant is how great of a person Bryce Mitchell is. For again, think of the salary you make, whatever it is, whatever it is. Everyone's working their ass off. Imagine taking half your salary and donating to sick kids. And you want to hate on Bryce Mitchell? Are you out of your goddamn mind? I don't care. Again, what fence you're on, vaccine, anti vax, Trump, Biden, whatever it is, flat earth, whatever, lizard people, I don't give a shit. For a kid, and he is a kid, for a kid in Bryce Mitchell to say, hey, take half my salary to make these kids, who knows, buy him toys, buy him something. A lot of them aren't coming out of that hospital, man. How you can hate on that kid is insane to me. Insane. Once Bryce did that, dude, he could get on there and hate on white people, (laughs) hate on uh, fighters who are comics, hate on fighters who became podcasters. He could hate on whatever he wants. He's all good in my book. There's nothing that kid can do to, to piss me off. Nothing can do. I'm a huge Bryce Mitchell fan now. And I'm telling you guys, if you're going to hate on him, 
donate half your salary to a children's hospital. You know what? And if you can't do that, and a lot of us can't, if you can't do that, just go visit a hospital, bring toys to a children's hospital and make it into two rooms. Let me know how it goes for you. Let me know how it goes for you. Let's take a little break from everything UFC 272 because, man, I'm out there in the streets. In L.A., I'm on the streets. I'm at the Hollywood Improv this Wednesday. I'm in Nashville this week, and I see all the bros out there. My crowd's usually a real wiener fest. And a lot of y'all got messed up here, man. You're just losing your hair. You don't know what to do. Here's some, here's some actual facts for you. Two out of three bros will experience some form of hair loss by the time they're 35. More than 50 million men in the U.S. suffer from male pattern baldness. But now there's, you can do something about it, man. You can. You're self-conscious. You're wearing hats all the time. You're wearing beanies left and right. Your hair's leaving you. You're looking like George Costanza. You're worried about it. You're recently single. What are you going to do with your hair? My friends at Keeps got you covered, man. Keeps offers a simple, affordable, stress-free way to keep your hair, all right? It's a super easy, convenient virtual doctor you meet with, and the medications are delivered straight to your door every three months. You don't have to leave your crib. You have 24-7 care and support. Keeps has a network of expert medical advisors, prescribers, care specialists to support you in making your hair goals a reality. You're looking like Fabio after you get done with Keeps. It's low cost. Starts at $10 a month. All right. Um, Keeps has everything you need to keep your hair delivered straight to your door. Discreet little package. Proven results. Remember, prevention is key. Keep what you have, fellas. Don't wait. Your, hair's gonna, your hairline's going to fold all the way back. Don't wait. Don't look like Brian Callen. Treatments can take four to six months to see results, so act right now. When it comes to your hair, save more, spend less. If you're ready to take action, prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com slash shop, S-C-H-A-U-B. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash shop to receive your first month of treatment for free. That's keeps.com slash shop to get your first month free, K-E-E-P-S dot com slash shop. You know, for you dads out there, one thing we love is a green lawn. My ficuses are popping, son. I have a fortress around my house of green ficuses. The lawn is popping. Nothing, nothing is better than a fresh cut lawn, especially if it's nice and green and full of life. My friends, Sunday, talking about Sunday, can help you grow a beautiful lawn without the guesswork or the nasty chemicals that are a nightmare to deal with, not safe for kids or animals. Sunday got you covered, man. Their custom plans include fertilizer and everything you need to make it easy to take care of your lawn so that thing is popping. They got ingredients like seaweed, iron, molasses. You can feel good with the kids and pets being around. All you have to do is visit GetSunday.com, put in your address. Their lawn analysis tool does the rest. Then they use a soil and climate data to create a personal nutrient plan delivered to your door when you need it. Just attach the ready-to-use pouch to a garden hose and spray. It takes less than 15 minutes. Best of all, this stuff actually works. I'm telling you, all my freaking ficuses the the lawn is popping there's nothing better it looks like lambo field man i'm telling you and sunday is offering you guys the dads out there who care about your lawns they're offering you guys 20 percent off all right full season plans start just 129 bucks we're talking about full season plans 129 bucks you get 20 percent off at checkout when you visit get sunday.com slash shop 20 the the slash shop s-c-h-a-u-b 220 that's 20% off your custom plan to have the greenest lawn ever on the block. People are going to be jocking your lawn. Get Sunday.com slash shop 20. 
we were on the co-main event. Sorry for that long rant, but shout out to Bryson Mitchell. Um, in the co-main event, it's such a shame we didn't see Fazeev. Uh, Renato Mas- Makano. Makano, you know, you fly him in for Brazil. I think the fight, they should have changed to three rounds because already taking a fight on short notice is such a beast. Mm-hmm. Now you're taking a fight on short notice, but you're doing against Dos Anjos, who's literally from top to bottom as far as record um, level of difficulty as far as his opponents. There's Nobody has more impressive resume. As far as if this college football uh, schedule, he's by far had the toughest go at, in the in UFC history as top to bottom opponents. He's faced everybody. He's beat most of them, lost to some of them. Um, so for Renato to take the fight in short notice, you're facing Rafael Dos Anjos. There's nothing you can do that he hasn't seen yet. For whatever reason, they kept out five rounds, you know, and it's tough enough to get ready for three rounds, but now you're short notice five rounds. Once that fight was a late replacement, they should have scrapped the five rounds. It's very dangerous. Renato's coaches probably after the third could have tossed in the towel. They didn't. Um, Dos Anjos being just a complete gentleman. You won't find a nice guy in the UFC than Dos Anjos. Maybe Wonder Boy. Brand Moreno's up there. There's first team all nice. And Dos Anjos on that. You know, he's, he's honorable mention at least. He's on that, dude. He's such a good person. I know first fucking hand. Such a good dude. So for him, he could have mollywop. Renato, it, it, Renato in that fifth round, and he didn't. He didn't. I thought he pulled back in that fifth round. I thought, went, this kid's out enough. I can't believe he's still here. I thought he pulled back. Um, so for Dos Anjos, you know, you want the experience. You know, the experience. I don't even say the experience. The guy doesn't need more experience. He needs more experience. Like I need a freaking STD. He, um, it, you know, you want a paycheck, and you, you know, you had this camp, so you want to pay off. But this beating Renato on short notice in a five-round co-main event does nothing for you as far as moving up in the queue or your next matchup. So I know you got on the mic and said that Fazeev fight's over. And I, I thought about this, and originally, even no matter what happened this fight, I thought he was going to beat uh, Renato 100%. But going into this fight, I thought, oh, I, I definitely want him to reschedule the Fazeev fight, right? They're supposed to fight originally on a fight night, and it's going to be a main event, five rounds. But what the UFC is doing here is pretty clear. What, what they're doing is it's a huge step up for Fazeev. But for Fazeev, Rafael Fazeev, what they're doing there is they're doing Fazeev a favor. They're not doing Dos Angeles a favor. He's fought everybody, dude. He, the, the, Fazeev does nothing for Dos Angeles' resume. But what they're gonna, what they're trying to do is they think it's a tough matchup for Dos Anjos. They think maybe you know he's over the hill, he's long in the tooth. So it's just a, a launching platform for Fazeev. So when I think about it, I guess Dos Anjos right. He's like, no, I'm good, man. That fight didn't happen. Um, I don't want to fight him. We're moving on. But originally, I was like, definitely make that fight again. But I think for Dos Anjos, it's about moving up towards getting another title shot or getting big money fights. You want those big money fights. So Dos Anjos, who's a brilliant man and phenomenal father, by the way, which is really important here. But Dos Anjos goes, all right, how, what's going to get me closer to a shot or what's going to get me paid? And he must have thought about this because he goes, I'd love a Connor fight. At first, I kind of flinched him. Connor, come on, dog. Everybody wants Connor, right? But when you think about it, that makes a lot of sense. Connor fight makes a lot of sense. Depending on what they want to do with Connor. 
Connor, uh, Connor and Rafael Dos Anjos makes a lot of sense. Not a terrible fight for Connor. Great fight for Dos Anjos. Dos Anjos, yeah, a little bit long in the tooth, but still very dangerous. You could definitely, uh, you know, if Connor were to go in there and beat him, definitely a title shot after that, you know? Mm-hmm. So it, for Connor, we, we got to be a little dicey. You know, with the Makachev fight, make this, if you're a Connor fan, that you, you do not, trust me, you do not want that. So for Dos Anjos, he said, you know, I want Connor or I want uh, Makachev. I, I can agree more with him. You know, it's very rare I agree with guys after post-fight conferences. It's very, when they do call outs, I'm like, come on, dude. Because if they shoot for the moon, hopefully they land on the stars. And we'll get to that with Colby Covington. But uh, for Dos Anjos, like, Makachev makes a lot of sense. You know, he's, he's the next thing. Even though they said he has to fight uh, Darius next, mm-hmm. you know how the UFC goes. They say that to try and discipline him, but uh, if they're going to have to give him a fight, Makachev or um, uh, Connor makes a lot of sense for him. It really does make sense for Dos Anjos. They're supposed, to, if you remember, they're supposed to fight originally. Mm-hmm. They're originally slated to fight. So I think if you're in the Connor business, that's a winnable fight. Not an easy fight. I'm not saying that in any facet, but it's a, it, it's winnable. We could see we could see Connor win that fight. Um, so uh, I moved on from the physique fight. I think there's other fights you can do with physique. I think still, you know, has a little bit of ways to go before he fights and catapults a win over, um, Dos Anjos. Do I think you'd beat Dos Anjos after seeing that Dos Anjos on Saturday night? I don't know. That's a tough fight for physique, man. It's a very tough fight. Very, very tough fight. Um, he could definitely get it done, but I just feel like there's some other stuff physique could do before he just jumps up. To Dos Anjos at six, and for Dos Anjos, I feel like he's done enough in the organization to to say I'm good on Fazeev at eleven, dude. I'm six. I just beat him. It's two wins in a row. I fought Paul Felder on short notice, and I fought freaking you know uh, Renato on sh- on a short notice. Like, the, give me work with me here. Makhachev's ahead of you. You beat him. You're sure sell closer title shot. Connor, you beat him. Your you know your name's huge, and you get a payday. And these kids, I'm all for it, man. So um, hopefully that works out for him. And, you know, Dana and the UFC is going to discipline Makachev. I would have loved to see Makachev Dos Anjos on that. I, I'm so surprised Makachev turned the fight down. So surprised. I wonder where the Doesn't hell seem like that? his style. Don't, I wonder. Because he was out. He was like, I'm down to go. Let's Again, no, sh- no shade on Makachev at all. Because I heard he was down to go. Even blasts out on social media. Yeah. was like, hey, put me in. They're like, cool, you're in. And then somewhere along the way... It, I don't know if it's his team or what, but I would be willing to bet Makachev wasn't like, I'm not taking that. I don't think so. I don't think so. I, I bet his team was like, no, we're going to wait. And they thought, just wait for a title shot. You have nothing to win. But when you play with the UFC and you don't help them out, they're going to discipline you. So now you're going to have to fight him mm-hmm. or Darius next. So we'll see. But uh, shout out to Dos Anjos, man. Uh, just a, a solid dude. One of the best to ever do it. I hope he gets that Connor fight or the Makachev fight next. Makachev fight, very tough fight for him. Obviously, I'm high on Makachev, as you can tell. Of course. And the main event, um, you know, first time in a UFC pay-per-view where you got two guys who aren't title holders, you know, main eventing a a big UFC pay-per-view. And, um, you know, you had like actual truly bad blood. You're talking about former best friends, former roommates. Uh, Colby obviously left ATT for a variety of reasons. One was, was, he says, is Jorge Masvidal, another is Dustin Poirier. Um, you know, I, I thought Jorge, it's just stylistically, he's a bad matchup for him. 
Um, Kobe was just all over him. The, the, the 50, 44, 50, 40, 50, 45 seems more reasonable to me. The 49, 46, I can see when, you know, Jorge did wobble him, but you know, after that, Kobe still for the rest of that round, you know, warm out like a backpack. Kobe's rest wrestling was just too much. Jorge was just on his back foot or constantly defend takedowns. Couldn't get off. When Kobe did decide to play that, you know, striking game, he was lighting them up, but then, you know, he, he was a level playing field because Jorge lands one. You saw it happen. So Kobe got smart and just wore his ass out. Um, you know, again, despite what the haters or what, you know, the the people think of Kobe Compton, he's the best welterweight on the planet, not named Kamara Usman. That being said, what's next for Kobe Compton? He's lost twice to Kamara. One was kind of close, right? One was kind of close. I heard Kamaro, he was doing a, uh, you know, before the, the weigh-ins, they, they have a, a fighter come out and to do a Q&A. And someone said, you know, if Colby wins, would you give him another title shot? And uh, Kamaro goes, um, would you guys like to see it? Do you think I, be, who thinks Colby won that fight when I went to, when I went to decision? Mm-hmm. He goes, who thinks Colby won that fight? And the crowd started cheering. He goes, this is why I'd fight him again. I'll make it very clear that I'm way better than Colby Covington. Mm. So I don't think it's next. Obviously, uh, Leon Edwards is next. And I know uh, Kamar Usman says he wants to be active this year. And he also wants a fight with Canelo, which I just don't see happening. (laughs) He said uh, Canelo's team was kind of into it. Uh, You know, I I, I just don't see that happening. Um, I love, and this is what makes Kamar Usman so great, his, his mentality. He goes... I believe I can stop him. I don't care what you guys think. You know, if I believe it, I don't care what anybody else says. And that's why, you know, he's the pound for pound goat right now. So um, I would watch Colby and Kamar Usman fight every Saturday night. I'll do a fight campaign every Saturday night if I could for that fight. I, you know, so I just don't think the UFC is going to do that next. So I think Colby knows that's not next, right? Because obviously he's fighting Leon Edwards. So Colby being Colby called out Dustin Poirier. When I first heard the call out, I'm like, okay, that makes sense. It makes sense. It's a big fight for Colby. It's like you're ranked number two. You're, you're ranked number one in the world. You're, you're by far number one. So you can do one of two things. You can go for the big money fights. You know, Masvidal was a money fight, and there's bad blood there. Dustin Poirier is a money fight. Doesn't make a lot of sense because you beat Dustin Poirier. Still, just the number one, one seventy in the world. But you guys have that ATT bad blood, but you just did that. So you could do it again. And, you know, the gym rivalry and stuff like that. Um, and I know Dustin Poirier is like, tells him it's on site. He can't stand him. He goes, I see you we're going to fight in the streets. I don't want you to get paid off me. But I think, you know, money does talk. So I think UFC could throw some money Dustin Poirier's way. But I'm with Dana. And, and Dana goes, let's say we make that Dustin Poirier fight. Then what do we do? Dustin Poirier's not at 170. So then what do we like? Where's it put Colby? I think Colby's like, I'm number one, dude. I'm not trying to fight guys who are lower. The, the only argument there, if you're a purist too, you don't like these weird, like super money fights, right? You don't like these kind of super ball ish, you know, super fights. So I think if, if you look at the division, there's a lot of formal opponents, man. There's a lot of guys, a lot of guys who he hasn't fought. Vicente Luque, uh, Muhammad have to fight. The winner of that, I would assume, uh, is right there. Um, and then again, 
to me, Kobe Compton should fight the winner of Hamza Gilbert Burns. That's the fight. That's, That's as a pure standpoint, as a um, you know, just uh, if you want to keep the game pure and you want to do what's right, um, Hamza is undeniable. And if he were to, um, I think it, he fights April 9th on the next pay per view. He's the third fight on that main card. If Hamza were to just absolutely storm through Gilbert Burns, he's going to jump to number two in the world. And for Colby, it's going to be tough to ignore him then. And the UFC also uh, realizes that they have something in Hamzat. He's kind of your next coming of a Conor McGregor, Khabib-ish kind of a blend. He's a he's a monster dude, um, and I, I do think he starches Gilbert Burns. I really do. And if you were to do that, I, I think Colby's going to be forced to take a Hamzat fight. And as good as Colby is, again, I know. Listen, nobody jerks off Makachev and Hamzat more than I do. I just, I don't, I'd love to hear the argument that Hamzat's going to lose. I, you know, I don't think he, I don't know who beats him. Until I see him, you know, in some trouble or somebody stops something, it's been a a, a whirlwind, a Dagestan slash Sweden whirlwind of him just dominating guys in every facet of the game. So we haven't seen a chink in his armor and stylistically, for him to go to eleven to two, he's obviously jumping the queue, rightfully so. The talent and hype is there, and he's dominated guys. No one's given him any issues. But there, there's tougher matchups besides Gilbert Burns for him. But the UFC realizes they you know, they've struck gold with him, and there, there's something something special about Hamzat, man. And boy, is it off to the races! I told you guys this. It's off to the races if he beat if he beats Gilbert Burns. And depending on what they want to do with Colby, or if Colby's being difficult, I would be willing to imagine. And again, Kamaru said he wants to be active this year. There's a chance Hamzat beats Gilbert, and then they give him Kamaru. There, there's a chance for that. But depending how you know Kamaru and Leon Edwards does goes down, if there's injuries, if who knows poking the eye, groin, whatever, you know, there could it could be forced to have Hamzat versus Colby Compton. But Colby Hamzat, the shit talking in that. And here's the difference is Kobe talks a lot of shit and I love it. It's his style. I love it. Sometimes he was a little overboard, especially when he talks about Mazadal being a bad dad and mm-hmm. side pieces or girlfriends or whatever. You talk like that to Hamzat? Bro, I don't know if there's enough UFC security to stop him and his boys from roughing you up before the fight, man. You're talking about some real tough dudes, man. I don't I don't I just, <clears throat> I know it sounds like I'm all up on Hamzat's chin strap beard, but so be it, man. I just stylistically, I don't know who beats him. I don't. Until I see a chink in his armor, I'm riding the shit out of his hairy nuts. I just am. So for Colby, the Dustin Poirier fight, you know, Dan didn't seem too keen on it. Uh, I think Dustin Poirier, he's also looking for super fights. Uh, you know, he wants that Nate Diaz fight. Um, so I, I just don't see it happening for Colby. I think Colby's going to be forced to fight uh, the likes of a Hamzat, the winner of Hamzat, um, Gilbert Burns, or he's going to have to fight Muhammad, Maz- or Muhammad uh, Vicente Luque winner. And again, there's a lot of formidable opponents at 170. You don't need to jump around weight classes and clog it up. You know, you don't. There's too much there. As a purist, I'd like to see him fight these other guys. As Colby as a businessman, you're like, I don't want to fight the winner of Muhammad Vicente Luque. I, I just, I've been fighting monsters, dude, like big, big stars, man. You know, so 
it's going to be interesting. Um, and then for Jorge Masvidal, I'm not in the same agreement from a lot of MMA experts in the space who are like, you know, for Jorge's long on the tooth, but why? Because he lost to Kobe Compton, Kamaru Usman. Okay. Um, yeah, I know some people say they want to see him fight Nate Diaz next. I'd rather see a Dustin Poirier Nate Diaz. We saw Masvidal Nate Diaz. That does nothing for me. Um, as much as I love Nate Diaz, Nate Diaz Poirier to me is a funner fight. We've seen how it goes with Masvidal and Nate Diaz. Um, for Masvidal, you know, I I think the the biggest fight they could make for him is Conor McGregor because Conor McGregor is super juicy right now. I'm not saying Usada juicy. I'm just saying juicy, thick, mm-hmm. in a good way. So I, I think 55 is out of the question for Connor. He's gotten too big. He's had too much time off. He's put on a lot of muscle. You tell me Jorge Connor doesn't sell gangbusters? And as much as they're paying Masvidal, he's the third highest paid UFC fighter ever. Well, for the UFC, when they make that investment, I don't know how much he's getting paid. It has to be a truckload. You're not fighting the Muhammad and Vicente Lukis of the world. That's not happening anymore. They got to get a return on their investment. The biggest return they can get is Conor McGregor, Masvidal. Makes a lot of sense. So I think, and again, if you're in a Conor McGregor camp and you're a dick rider like I am, the Masvidal's a winnable fight. And also, Masvidal's a natural 155-er. So is Conor. Conor even fought at 45, right? So Masvidal's small for 170. You know, Nate Diaz, even though he fights at 55, he's a bigger dude. I just think the Masvidal fight makes more sense. Masvidal's not just, you know some washed up old veteran he's kind of come into his own and i i think a mazadal conor mcgregor makes the absolute most sense for a huge huge pay-per-view really do sign me up um there's one guy who knows this sport uh, there's probably a bunch of guys but there's one guy who i consider a friend who knows colby better than any of us and he also knows the sport of mixed martial arts and the ufc better than i do and that is chael sonnen and so uh, I'm going to sit down and uh, zoom in with a call with Chael Sonnen, who's one of the only guys busier than I am. So as much as I want to get him in here for a food truck and flashback, which we will, the best we can do now with our schedules is a Zoom call. You guys know I usually hate Zoom, but I will take it if it's Chael Sonnen. So let's chat fisticuffs with Chael Sonnen. Before I chat with my brother from a different fighting mother, Chael Sonnen, hey, man, let's take a little break. Got to keep these lights on. Got to pay the employees, all right? And online shopping isn't slowing down anytime soon. Is your business ready to keep up with the pace? Are you stressed out? Listen, shipping's a beast. Your boy used to deal with it before I hired a company to deal with it, before I started using ShipStation. With ShipStation, you never have to worry again about shipping. All right, make the switch to a solution that handles all your shipping needs quickly. It's affordable. It's painless. ShipStation is already trusted by over 100,000 e-commerce sellers. Keep track of orders from any sales channel. Easily find the best shipping carrier with deep discounted rates. All right. Um, save time because you can funnel all your orders in one simple interface. No matter where you're selling, manage every order, Amazon, eBay, Etsy, your own freaking merch or website, wherever you're trying to sell, you save money, uh, save your sanity, man. It's a beast out there. No wonder 98% of companies that use ShipStation for a year, keep using it for as long as they're in business. It's that freaking good. Ship more and less time with ShipStation. Use my code SHOB. 
S-C-H-A-U-B, to get 60-day free trial. That's two months free of no hassle, stress-free shipping. Try it out. you got nothing to lose. Just go to ShipStation.com. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, right? Type in Shab, S-C-H-A-U-B, ShipStation. Make ship happen. Mr. Chael Sonnen, uh, dude, you got to be one of the busiest guys in the world. You're one of the only people that I would do a Zoom call with, but I know how busy you are, man. I've been trying to get you out here for a while. I keep harassing you, so all we got is a Zoom, but I'll take it. I'll take it, sir. I'll take it. Hey, I'm, I'm busy right next to you, and I wish I was with you just so we could have a nice meal because you're always good at providing those, and I'm coming off of a Pizza Hut, Pizza Hut stuffed crust. I got to tell you, two thumbs down. The commercial looked great. I want my $20 back. Yeah, I mean, that's what you get for buying Pizza Hut, Chael. You make too much money. You're too busy to eat Pizza Hut, man. We've moved on from Pizza Hut, dude. So what's up, man? Did you watch the fights this weekend? Did you see this? Was this the lightest pay-per-view of all time? <laughs> I love you. You know what? I uh, I did a Calabas Fight Companion show with Josh Barnett and Matt Mitrione, and uh, Josh Barnett had nothing but great things to say about you. He was saying how he wishes you were there with us, and I couldn't agree more. Um, we watched the fights. Yeah, you know, it, it's not a, a pay-per-view card that's going to blow your hair back. I, one of the reasons I want to talk to you, obviously you're very close with Colby, and my, my thing going to this fight, it, the fight went how I thought it was going to go. You know, I, I, you, we, I think we both uh, work with DraftKings, and they always ask me to make picks and stuff like that. And I told people, I said, this fight's a little different just because these guys know each other so well. They've trained together. They, they live together. When, when two friends are fighting, kind of everything else goes out the window if, if they know each other that well. But it was like it didn't matter what Masvidal did. Colby was just too much for him, man, just way too much. And, Brennan, I, I, I would love if somebody studied this, but anytime two guys know each other, and it's not just fighting, it could be when Tom Brady leaves the Paris, uh, Patriots, goes to the Buccaneers, and the Buccaneers travel uh, back to New England. Okay, we know each other. But what that means, it flips a switch psychologically inside of every athlete. Defensive. I know what he likes to do. I'm going to know how to Correct. block. I'm going to see his setups. I'll know when to get out of the way. It's a defensive mindset. And in this sport of ours of MMA, it's about aggression. It's about attacking. And anytime two guys know each other, it ends up being a little bit dull. It just does. I think Colby Covington, in the very first round of that very first takedown attempt, was met with more resistance than he was mm -hmm. expecting. Because Colby's output in the first 10 to 12 minutes was the lowest in the history of Colby's career. But I think he got a respect for Masvidal. I think he, he felt real quick, okay, this guy knows what I like to do. Oh, by the way, he's elbowing me in the head. Oh, by the way, he's not a 155-pounder anymore. And it, I kind of got a, a sense, even if it's bad for Colby at the beginning, he's going to he's gonna pick it up. As he as he gets closer to the finish line, he's going to put his foot down a little bit more. That's what it looked like happened. And I'm not sure both guys didn't do what they said they were going to do. Colby said, I'm going to go up there and beat Masvidal, and he did. I never heard Masvidal say that okay. once. Masvidal said, I'm going to hit yeah. him. I'm going to hurt him. I'm going to expose him. Masvidal in the build-up to this fight never once said he was going to beat him. I don't think that's what it was about for George. George wanted to get locked in there regardless of the embarrassment. For the way. He wanted to hit that guy in the face. I think they both left with what they want. I think so. I, it, the fight was a little bit of a letdown. Yeah, is that fair to say? Also, going back to guys fighting each other that know each other, have you fought a tr training partner throughout the years? Because I used to train with Andre Orlovsky all the time, and then the UFC called us to fight each other. Man, we I'm, I'm talking, we sparred rounds and rounds and rounds throughout my training and throughout my career at Greg Jackson's. 
And then we fought each other. He knew what my best tools were. I knew what his best tools. I knew his takedowns. I knew, you know, what he was really good at, what he was bad at. And it was a boring fight. It was just a bad fight. We were both tentative. Nobody really let their hands go. I would take him down. You know, it was just, it wasn't a fun fight. So that's why I said, if you're going to bet on this, it, you know, obviously Colby is the favorite for the, for a reason, but it, you know, it wasn't a, it, it wasn't a great fight, man. It just wasn't. I think for Colby, a finish would have been great, but he's done enough to, he's in a, he's in a weird spot now. Like, what would you say? But, but I don't want to skip past you. I'm assuming you fought training partners before, before we go to what's next for Colby. Yeah. Well, to answer the training partner question, yes, I've had to compete with guys I trained with, but that was all the way back in college. I would have a roommate where we would do our homework together. We would ride to class together. We're in the same weight class, Brendan. We would have to go into the restroom, shake hands and have a wrestle off, then get in the same and drive home together. One of us devastated, one of us moving on. It was just very weird. The biggest thing that I can tell you is that's where the most pressure okay. is. And guys like you and I always tell the audience who has the pressure, but we don't always take time to explain mm. to the audience why that matters. Pressure creates a chemical release that creates a fatigue. Yes. Whoever is feeling more pressure, whoever is more nervous and tied to an emotion, any emotion is going to get tired a little bit faster. That's why guys like you and I try to identify who it is and try to manage what's on somebody's shoulder. So I do think that that explains a little bit of the, the output. And when you talk about where does Colby go from here, Colby's doing everything right, Brendan. In the last one week, and I'm defining a week by five days, in the last five days, he has said, I am the number one contender and I have proven it. He's right. He is the only guy ranked number one in the whole okay. sport that doesn't get a fight for the championship. He's in a un unique spot. He already did twice against the same guy. History of the sport says we don't go to number three if the outcomes of one and two weren't split. So what does he do? He comes up with an idea. He goes to a press conference, says, I'm going to take this golden ticket. And I'm going to cash it in against Adesanya. Dana White quite literally laughed. Okay, fine. Colby didn't get that one, so next time he's got a microphone in his hand, he goes after Dustin Poirier. Now, Dustin Poirier is not a 170-pounder, but if you do look at what Colby did, he called out Kamar Usman, which he couldn't get. He called out Adesanya, which he got laughed at. He called out Dustin Poirier, who's not in the division. Those are three hammers. The one thing those three guys have in common is world championship belts. Colby is not asking for something easy. He just realizes, I don't get what every other number one contender gets. I don't get the title shot, so give me all something big. And the one the one takeaway that I did get from Colby going in three vastly different directions, his own weight class, a weight class down, and a weight class up, is that he sees what you and I are talking about. He sees he's in a unique spot. He's trying to make the best he can with it, but everybody's telling him he's wrong. He can't be wrong nonstop. Even a broken clock is right twice a day. Colby's just waiting for something to come back. I mean, you want to know who called Colby Covington out between those three weight classes? Nobody, Agree. Brendan. They don't want to fight the guy. It means you're going to get a main event. It means you're going to get a sold out arena. It means you're going to get a lot of really great things. They still don't want him. Yeah, I think for Colby, he's in a tough spot. Again, I would watch Kamara and Colby fight every Saturday. I'd be happy with that. Take my 80 bucks. I love that fight. I think, you know, Colby could make some changes, maybe, you know, get a win here or there against Kamara, but Kobe's your reigning champion. If he was just born five years before, or five years later, he's the best 170 on the planet or not named Kamara Usman. So for Kobe, you know, he, he, he shoots for the moon, hoping to land on the stars. Obviously the Izzy fight's not happening. Um, I like his call outs. I'm a huge fan of Kobe. I know you are too. You're very close with him, but the Dustin Poirier, and you could see even Dana goes, what are we going to do with that? You, you know, he's not even a true one seven year. You went, you win that fight. You're still number one. 
I think as a purist and where he's going to get some kind of backlash, there is there's some affordable, you know, I was talking about before he came on, there's some really good 170ers coming up. A guy who I think Kobe's going to have to address very soon is Hamzat. I think Hamzad is the next big thing, and I I do see maybe the UFC forcing Kobe's hand to take that fight if he's going to stay at 170. And see, I think he's going to have to get creative too. When you have the number one guy, and the one thing that Usman versus Covington Part Two really did show us is that we found the right two yep. guys. There's a bit of a separation now. I am also a little bit drunk on the on the Hazmat Chamayev. Uh, uh, you know, I think that, that that the excitement of him. I got to see him for the first time. I happened to be at the PI. I was doing something totally unrelated. He was upstairs. I went and watched a workout. He was working out with Latifi. I was invited to come back the next day for sparring with Latifi Chamayev. Uh, Gustafson and oh, wow. Till. I was planning to go and, and Brent, I was going to take a camera. I even asked them, can I film this? They said yes. And I got called ESPN called me. So I, I ended oh, up not getting man. to do that, but the rumors are true. The, the guys as good as all these practice rooms, uh, stories that keep on coming out the other side of the coin. I've always wondered on Shemaya why he's going after 170. If all things are equal and he makes it to a title fight, you ultimately just have to ask yourself, is he more likely to beat Adesanya with his skills or is he more likely to beat Usman with, with his skills? He told me, Chael, I've heard you say that before, but I don't weigh 185. I always gave up weight. He said the heaviest that I ever have been in my life is 181 pounds. So for right now, he is a 70 pounder. I know he's got big goals in this champ, champ, champ thing. Lots of guys do, but right now he still does that, that smoke. Dana gave us one clue on Chemaya. And the last time Dana spoke about Chemaya, he said he's four wins away from being considered for a world no, title no fight. Dana, Dana now recently came out Saturday post-fight press conference and said, I believe Chemaya versus Burns is a number one contender's fight. Now, all of this uh, that I'm giving you is to answer your question in terms of what does Colby do? Because I agree with you. I think if you beat Burns, you're probably fighting for a bell. I think if you beat Chemaya or if you beat Colby, you're probably going to be going and fighting for a belt. I know Luke and Blaha Mohammed will have their own thing to say about that, but the point is everybody's busy. That's my yeah. only point. Everybody's tied up, and we will do rematches when it's for championships. We don't usually do that for contenders' matches. So Colby, who really has ran through a division successfully, not only not losing fights, he's not even losing rounds. It's a tough thing to find where he goes. I don't begrudge Dana for the responsible. What would him and Dustin be fighting for? I do start to begrudge that it was Colby's third idea in five days and all of them got told no well nobody's challenging him and colby's not looking to just go after anything he's a main event guy he wants a sold out house he's earned that i mean he sold his soul for this thing right the gimmick is gone. the gimmick is so far off I the agree. rails that everybody wants to just decide we don't like him we're not going to give him anything he wants well he come on he gets something i, I do think with colby you know I, I, i'm all about him getting paid you know the dustin Poirier is a super fight the izzy's a super fight I'm all about those super fights. I, I like when guys get paid the most amount of money, get the most eyeballs on them. Colby deserves it. He's he's beating everybody, not named Kamara Usman. If he were to fight Hamzat, and obviously we're going to find out a lot about Hamzat when he fights Gilbert Burns, and I have my thoughts on that, and you know the stories about Hamzat. How do you think <clears throat> Colby would match up against Hamzat? I think it's a very tough fight for Colby stylistically. Yeah. Yeah, and look, momentum's real. In all sports, momentum is real. There is nobody with, with the wind in his back right now as Chemayev. I do think that's real. Now, between the two of them, what we've seen, we have not seen Hamza deal with adversity. Yep. That we have no reason to believe he can't deal with it, but he hasn't proved it yet. We have no reason to believe that Hamza could not enter the five-round club, but he hasn't yet. 
Colby has. I just think there's a couple of things that if we're going to be fair with the rankings, I think the rankings do have it right. I think they showed the respect to the guy that they got this close versus the guy who's brand new and only did two fights in the division against unranked opponents. I do see what you see. I am not part of dismissing Chamayev. I think there's something real there, but when you do come down to the really hard matchups, and I say this as a wrestler, as a guy that likes to get somebody and take them down, seeing that that's what Hoswell's like to do, I think putting him against Kamaro's hard. Kamaro's a national champion in that very sport. Put him with Colby Covington, who was fifth uh, in the Division One ranks. I think that it's very hard. Those are the appropriate matches, but if Colby is to get to that, let's go back to what Dana did say when he dismissed uh, the Poirier fight. What are we going to do? What's this about? What's it for? Great, but Colby needs to get that answer. If he's going to go in there and do this heavy lifting against a Chemayev, he needs to have an answer to that question. What is this for? Because there's ways that Colby returns to a world title fight and even a world championship. Those ways just involve Kamara Usman no longer having the belt. Yeah, and you know, Kamara's talking about fighting, uh, you know, Canelo and doing that stuff, and he has the Leon Edwards fight. So I'm with Colby, man. I don't have, you know, he's like, what are we doing? I'm throwing all this mud at the wall. Hopefully something sticks. You keep shooting it down. It sounds like he just needs to be told, all right, we're waiting for the winner of Gilbert, Hamzat, or Muhammad, and uh, Vicente Luque. You're going to get one of those guys. you know. But if I'm Colby, you know, a Vicente Luque, uh, Muhammad fight doesn't, you know, doesn't do a ton for me, especially at the level he's at. The, uh, again, I keep going back to it. The winner of Hamzat and Gilbert Burns to me makes the most sense, especially for Colby. But again, if if the plan is if all Colby cares about is getting another title shot to Kamar Usman, it's going to go through Hamzat. I really think so. So if, I, I would be willing to bet. Again, you know Colby better than I do, and I love Colby. You know this. Um, when I was in Miami on tour, me and Colby got together. I absolutely adore the guy. I, I, I think he's such a good person. You know what? What you guys see on camera is not Colby. He's obviously come up with this gimmick, and it works because you guys pay to watch him lose. So he's a he's getting the laugh 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 there. But I do think for him, if he does want the title shot, it's going to go through Hamzat. I think he'd be willing to take that shot if the UFC tells him. If Dana goes, all right, dude. If Hamzat does what we think is going to happen against Gilbert Burns. You you're gonna fight Hamzat and you can get another title shot. It's the only way you can get another title shot. I think you'd be willing to take that. And I agree with you. I think it's gonna take something like that, some kind of creativity within the negotiation. Oh, hey Dan, I heard what you said. What does this mean? Tell me what it means if I beat Jamiah. Yes. You don't think I'm going to beat him. You're trying to build him. I'll take the risk. I agree with you. I just think he needs to get it stated ahead of time. It's still a hard path to get back to Usman. And frankly, even if the bosses say, look, this is the number one contenders, I do think Usman's opinion matters. And if Usman's to go, look, Colby's the hardest fight I've ever had. I barely got away with it. I did it again. I didn't want to, but I did. And I got away with it twice. I'm not fighting him again. I think we would listen to that. I mean, if I was to put myself in the shoes of Usman, there are some close ones. In sport, you go out and take those risks. But if you get a guy in your rear view, he's in your rear view. I mean, in all fairness, I think there's a conversation. I think if you're Colby, you're probably crossing your fingers. One, to find a path like you and I just laid out where at least the opportunity exists. But two, that somebody gets that belt off of Kamara or that Kamara's hand injury, just by example, it doesn't heal in time and they bring in an interim yes. championship. I think that those are more likely paths back to a championship fight. It's just hard. We've already done it twice and you didn't split in this sports history it's hard to get number and, three. And I, I feel for colby because you know he, he's going for these big fights and the, no, no one's really biting especially your boss you know dana white's like we're good on that man those go nowhere but you know i don't think colby just wants to wait around you know for these other contenders to get their stuff together and you know be good opponents um 
you know, outside that, I thought with uh, the Komen event, Dos, Dos Anjos, obviously Dos Anjos Faziv would have been a fantastic fight. Doesn't happen. Um, you know, so Dos Anjos takes another short notice fight. It shouldn't have been five rounds. You know, I think with Dos Anjos, for him, with the Faziv, he goes, I'm good, man. I'm good. That's in the rear view. We've tried doing it twice now. It's not happening. You know, I like this call out of McGregor or Makachev. Makachev, I, I think those would be great fights for him. Um, I just don't know, again, what the UFC wants to do with Do Dos Anjos. Well, what an incredible game of chicken. I mean, Mokhlchev calls out RDA, puts one stipulation that the weight class has to be 170. RDA says, okay, and Mokhlchev doesn't show up. I mean, that's a win on the playground, right? The best general never fires a shot. They just align their troops and make the other side back down. That's a win for RDA. Then RDA goes in uh, into this fight. Look, I don't like the five-round idea. I don't like it anywhere. I don't like it in main events. I don't like it in championship fights. I came through the era where we in MMA were trying to compare our sports to others. Well, the Super Bowl isn't five quarters just because it's a championship mm -hmm. game. The gold medal for the 100-yard dash doesn't become 103 yards because the championship's on the line. I, I've never fully understood that. I also see commissions, and I get that a commission's number one interest is commerce. But they hang their hat to get taxpayer dollars on fighter safety. Nothing would make the sport safer than putting a guy out there for less yeah. time. So I just don't love that concept. I don't love that that round went for that fight went five rounds. Nobody wanted to be out there less than RDA. And if you go look at the fifth round where it looked as though his opponent was surviving, RDA quit fighting. Yes. RDA was trying to run out the clock and help that guy. When he did touch him, it was no faster than this. Now, uh, Moe Kano started throwing some heat. RDA had to defend himself, but RDA didn't even want to hit him anymore. And I'm going, where's the adult in the yeah. room? We got the best referee in the business when Big John isn't doing it. We got a fantastic doctor. They've had not one but two conversations and still didn't stop it. That should be assigned to the corner man. And, Brendan, I don't hang my hat on this whole let a fighter show his heart. A fighter having heart and a cornerman having no heart do not have to be the same thing. Get your guy out of there when he can no longer win. Not when he can no longer fight. When your guy can no longer win, get him to the back. It's your job. I think it's a problem in our sport. You know, I think boxing is a little more leniency with that, where they well throw in the towel. With MMA, especially in the UFC, it's very rare you see that. I think it's a huge ego thing and it's just you know the cornerman never wants to take that responsibility but as a cornerman you you that's that's your that's your number one job is to protect that fighter it's it's a really kind of a black eye i think i think a lot of uh, a lot more cornermen could really do their fighters a, a service by throwing the towel you know live to fight another day so i i, I do like with rda and before he came on i was breaking down what what i think's next for certain guys and a name keeps popping up a name with, you know, Austin Masvidal's lost three in a row now, but he's the third highest, what, third highest contract ever in UFC history, which I'd love to know the exact details of because guy, guys made a ton of money. You know, I know guys who make tons of money. So when they say third highest, I'm like, holy shit, that's a ton of money. But when you do get paid like that, you're going to have to take big fights. The UFC is going to have to get a return on their, on their investment. So you're not fighting young lines anymore. You know, the, Masvidal is going to get these blockbuster fights. A fight that makes a lot of sense for Masvidal and RDA would be Conor McGregor. You know, he's been out. I really don't see Conor coming back to 55. You look how juicy he is right now. He looks, you know, bigger than he's ever been. I think the cut could be tough for him. I think a Masvidal fight makes a lot. It checks every single box for both guys. I could see that for Masvidal. I could see it for RDA too. And again, before you answer, 
I think for Connor, if you're a Connor fan, which I'm a huge Connor fan, even you know with his crazy antics he's been doing, I do think those are winnable fights for him. You know, when when he called out Makachev, I went that you don't want that. That's not what we want to do here. You're not going to get a win there. RDA I could see a win. Mazda I could see a win. Tough fights, but winnable. I fully agree with you. And just to remind the audience, the entire Connor experiment at 170 was predicated on Dana White going out to dinner in Beverly Hills and some guy jumping in front of him with a camera who happened to work for TMZ. So uploaded on TMZ, they ask about Masvidal and they ask Dana, would you ever put him with Conor McGregor? Dana said, no, Masvidal's too big for him. Well, that upset Conor. <laughs> Conor took that as a challenge in his very next fight, which happened to be against Cowboy Cerrone, was at 170 pounds. The whole reason Conor came up to 170 was to dispute the fact that Dana said Masvidal was too big. So you got the biggest star in the sport, Conor McGregor, who wants to fight the second biggest star in the sport in George Masvidal. I'm with you. I even think we've got a date. I think International Fight Week, which is, is supposed July. to be the biggest fight of the year. I think that we've got everything right. Connor puts out that picture on Instagram that you referenced. He claims to weigh 193 pounds. He looked like he weighed 193 yes. pounds. Go partway down, uh, jump in there at 170. I am with you that that's the fight to make. But, Brendan, we're the only ones talking about it. I can't believe uh, that more people are banging for that, including Connor, including Masvidal. So let's say we don't get it. If anybody knows how to do the sport, the punches and the kicks and the grappling and the conditioning, it's RDA. If anybody doesn't understand the business of the sport, it's RDA. He's not demanding these things. If you go look at the lifting that RDA's done, literally, if you go to Sherdog right now, type in RDA's name under Fight Finder. If you look at who he fought and when he fought them, he's gone through two divisions, every champion and every contender at 55 and 70. It is remarkable the work that this guy's put in, but he doesn't make these yep. demands. He seems to go with the flow. Nice. A lot of guys do nice. that way. He's too nice. He's too nice about it. I think he needs to quit being so nice. I think the mere fact that he backed down Makhlchev and defeated Moikano in one week should scream volumes. He's a main event fighter. He deserves a big fight. Now he's got to play the game on to figure out how he gets it. I, yeah, I think for RDA, because he is so nice, and I do, you know, we again, before he came out, I was saying RDA has, as far as strength of schedule, has the best ever in UFC history. 55, 70, by far the best resume you could possibly have. Ever. He's going to need a guy in... Connor who calls the shots, right? They're, they're going to, it's not like they're going to come to Connor and go, all right, RDA or Masvidal, Connor's going to make that decision. So I think if Connor's team gets wind of RDA in that, the only way this happens is if Connor gets wind and starts prom promoting this thing, asking for the fight. But again, as much as I love RDA and he, he, he treated me so nice when I fought Noguera in Brazil, he was literally the only Brazilian that would take me to places where they wouldn't poison my food. So I'm forever grateful to him. But I think that just it, to me, it's a no brainer. Again, you say nobody's talking about it, but you and I are. It's Connor Mazadal, International Fight Week. That thinks it's going to do gangbuster numbers, man. Oh, it's massive. I mean, that is the fight to make. And I, I feel as though people forget. That's why it took the time to bore you with the timeline of that story. But that's literally what happened. Dana was going to dinner. Dude jumps out. Dana takes time to answer him. Turns out dude works for TMZ. Connor hears about it, loses his mind. It comes to fights at 170. I mean, that fight is all but done. Now let's try to make the case for RDA. Because one thing that RDA has on his side is he's got pictures worth a thousand words. He's got the photo shoot of him and Connor. Don't forget those it's two were supposed to fight. To fight. That's right. RDA 
getting hurt right and he ends up getting pulled out of it but that fight was promised to him for him to come back and claim was once already his i think that it's fair he needs to tell that story it's not going to be simple you got to get connor's attention everybody comes to connor and there's nothing that connor likes more than to be challenged and to dismiss a guy so you really got to be strategic with the call out you got to know how you're going to do it once you get met with rejection you got to hit him again and again and again but if you insult connor the right way he is like any excuse me like any wounded animal he's going to come out and fight you i just think it's a tricky game and even if it's not connor for rda i think we can all agree it needs to be something big i'm all of a sudden interested in islam versus rda what is it that islam saw that made him go back on his own idea i'm interested in that i got to fight for a world title against john jones because that happened i didn't belong in there with john jones in all fairness and i knew it ahead of time but john turned me down in the in the public's eye the public's whoa what does john see i mean I, i'm just speaking from yes. firsthand uh, knowledge it's it's a real thing when a guy says no we go well, wait, wait wait a minute why not i think that rda has got big fights out there but brendan to your point he's got to quit being so nice and here's the problem with him being so nice be careful what you ask for because if you don't build up that connor fight you're gonna get makachev and that is a nightmare of a matchup man i again i there's nobody higher on makachev and hamzat than me though i i ride their hairy nuts like you wouldn't believe chael i love both those guys I don't see a, a chink in their armor, especially with Makachev obviously has faced tougher competition, but for RDA, it's like, Hey man, if you don't get on the, on the bike here and start screaming for Connor, you're going to get Makachev and it's not going to be pretty dude. So you better get on it. Well, and there, Brandon, there was one that went under the radar, but it was last week. If there's anything we know about Khabib, it's that he's a man of his word. If he says he's going to do it, he does it, which included retirement. If he says it, it's done. Khabib came out and said, I want Connor to fight Islam. And if Connor loses to Islam, I'll come out of retirement and avenge it uh, against Connor. I mean, that, that's really big news. And that's a really big piece of the story. But once Khabib says it, he really does mean it. I mean, I think from the world of promotion, there's all the story that we need. And you can say whatever you want about Connor McGregor. He is not afraid to fight. He will take that fight with Islam if somebody asks him Agreed. to. Agreed. Again, terrible idea, especially if you're a Connor fan. <laughs> it's just we need to get a win here, man. We got to get a freaking win. It's not going to be Makachev, dude. That's not what you want to sure. do with your career, man. It seems like a bad idea. And also, I agree with you. Once Khabib says something, that that's it, man. He says it. He, 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 he'll do it, but he knows that Makachev is a complete nightmare for Connor. So the chance of Connor beating Makachev is not high. So I, I think him saying that he's just trying to get his boy eyeballs, but also for the UFC, it's no matter what they decide to do with Connor, it's basically a, a, a win-win for the UFC because Connor Makachev, even if Makachev wins, now you have all the eyeballs on Makachev. You know, he's Khabib's, you know, basically little brother, and it's going to be a huge pay-per-view. You put him with Masvidal, the UFC makes all the money in the world. But the whole thing here depends how much juice they see left in Connor because you got to be strategic about it. And the best fight for Connor, the most winnable fight, and again, none of them are easy. But if you're a Connor fan, sure. the winnable fight, probably Masvidal, if you had to guess, maybe Masvidal, you, you know. I it just it's a no-brainer to me, man. Yeah, Connor could definitely win that fight. I love the breakdown because Masvidal is going to cope and stand with him. He's not going to try to double cross and get a takedown. And frankly, his wrestling isn't good enough that he can just throw no. Connor down. Connor's tough to take down. Ask Chad Mendez. Ask Khabib. I agree with you. I like that fight. And another one. I don't know that I would predict for you that it's going to happen, but Dana has not completely thrown water on the idea of Connor coming in right against Charles Oliveira. 
And again, with Oliveira's wrestling or lack thereof, Connor's big left hand. I mean, you could start to break it down and start to see ways. I agree with you. The Makhlchev, there's nothing to mm -hmm. see here. We're going to have fun. We're going to have a buildup. We're going to have five rounds going to Islam. But there are still some, some real matches out there for McGregor. I'd like to know where he is. I'd love to know what his motivation is. They say a rich man can't fight, but Floyd proved that to be wrong. And, you know, Connor's following that path now, too. If Connor is truly motivated and truly wants to be a champion of the world, that would mean something to me. I would want to hear that. I didn't love the way he prepared for his last couple mm -hmm. of training camps. I didn't love the fact that he left Ireland that's got the gym and all of his coaches and went to another country for seclusion. I just didn't understand it. I didn't think he looked great against Dustin Poirier, but there's still big things out there. And I got to be real, real critical just to say that. And we're also proving, I mean, the one thing that Colby and George Monsvall, who just sold 15,000 tickets six days in advance of how the heavyweights uh, championship sold tickets, the one thing they had in common, Brennan, is they're both coming off losses. The one thing they had in common is between the two of them, they hadn't won a fight uh, in the last three. Boxing doesn't make losing acceptable. MMA, it yep. is. And it is because our fans understand nobody gets built, nobody gets a free ride. It's iron on top of iron every night. You're just not likely to go undefeated in that way. But it's a larger part of the story. I mean, the guys that you and I are sitting here discussing, admitting that we want to headline the biggest card of the year, which is International Fight Week, haven't won a fight between them <laughs> since like 2018. We don't, don't care. care. That's the fight to yep. make. Mosvall versus McGregor. Come but, on. But I think to, you brought up a great point. For Connor, it's like, what is his motivation? If it's still money, which would be unbelievable if it is, it has to be more than money. But if it is money, Masvidal's the, the cash cow here. That's the biggest fight. But if it's to be a world champion, then none of you know the RDA, the Masvidal's, the Makhachev's, none of this matters because if it's not about money, it's just getting that title back you know, and, and being a world champion. He's, all he's interested in is Charles Oliveira. That's all he cares about. Sure. So that would be the fight. But again, we haven't heard from Connor. But if his motivation is just to be a world champion, none of this other stuff matters what we're talking about. Sure. Sure. If he could get a guarantee of a number one contendership, I hear you. Look, I like the BMF belt. I loved when they brought it out. I think it's opportunity. I'm one of the few guys. I like the interim Me title. Too. It just creates opportunity. I want him to resurrect the BMF. If the belt wasn't on the line, so it didn't go to Usman, like some people think, it doesn't belong to Covington. The, the title's got to be on the Rick Flair used to get pinned one, two, three, but he was still the champion because the title wasn't on the line. I mean, right, the interest is in the details here. I think they bring that back. Connor versus George, BMF title up for grabs. I'm, I'm in. in too, but would you be oh, would you be open to a, a Mazadal Nate Diaz rematch for BMF? That does really that does nothing for me. That I like that. And you want to know a story that was getting out there and then again it fizzled, but was Nick Diaz, that Nick was going to go against Masvidal. That was all like that. the rage right after. That would have worked. And Nick has been radio silent. Quite frankly, Nick looked a lot better against Robbie than I think Nick knew. When Nick sat down and said, I had I had enough, I'd be curious. I never checked the scorecards. That is public. But I had it at one apiece. Mm -hmm. I thought that it was one and one, and we're going to the third. I thought Nick looked really good. But Nick has been radio silent. Dana made one comment on him and said, I don't know if Nick's ever going to fight again. It seemed like Nick, who'd been removed for a period of time, which is why he was a little bit rusty, wouldn't want another break. He'd want to get right back in there. And I thought maybe there would be some opportunity for Masvidal versus Big Brother. See, I, I love that fight, but I also thought that Nick didn't want to fight. That, that That's what I, again, I have no clue. I don't have an end to the Diaz camp. But from the rumors I heard was Nick's not really interested in fighting. He took that fight to pay off some loan or some crazy thing like that. Who knows what's true? But if that is true, that's why you're seeing this long layoff and he's probably not coming back. 
that would make a level of sense. I was very light on that idea, just the work that he went Agreed. through just to get back. I thought he did Instagram and he was looking great and he did a couple of triathlons. So I thought, well, when a guy's sharp and a guy wants to come back, you know, even if it is for the money, I'm okay with that. But what's, what's better than one paycheck is two paychecks. But the mere fact that he's taken a break and been very quiet, maybe, maybe that's the true rumor. Maybe he just doesn't want to do this anymore. I'm okay with it. Larger point that I'm trying to prove with you is there's a lot of really good options right now. They don't all have to be world championship related. Our, our sports three biggest stars, Conor McGregor, followed by Masvidal, followed by anybody with the last name of Diaz, are they're not championship yep. guys. They have not won a period of time. Point. Our audience decided we don't care. These are the guys we like in this order. So any part of that parody that you can put them together makes good sense to Agreed, me, brother. I know. I know you gotta get going because you have your ESPN show. So I'll let you get out of here soon. I just want to ask you a, f a few more questions, you, and you let me know. Just Please. cut me off whenever you want. With Francis Ngannou, I had him on food truck recently and and flashback fight nights. Uh, right after his win, he he came uh, to the Thick Boy Studios. How do you see that going down? In, in a in a perfect world, I would love for Francis and the UFC to figure out a deal. You know, I I know from very close sources uh, with the Tyson Fury team, they want that fight. That fight's happening. They that that is good as done. That's gonna he's gonna fight. I think Dillian White he says he's gonna retire. And then people go, what about Francis? He goes, I'm retiring from boxing. To me, that's not a boxing fight. That's something else. But that's happening. We, I know for a fact, talking to Francis' team, who I'm very close with, and Tyson's team, that fight, it, you're, you are going to get that fight. To me, that, the, that fight is going to be so much bigger, so much more special if the UFC machine is, in, is involved, like the Conor Floyd Mayweather fight. So I would love for Francis to figure out a deal with the UFC where they're going to play ball. And it doesn't sound like he's asking for, for a crazy amount of money either. I think he's just asking for more money, which is, you know, every fighter wants more money. I would just love for them to figure out a common ground where he fights John Jones, you know, fights uh, really John Jones is the fight form at heavyweight. And then also the UFC and uh, Tyson Fury and Cahoots when they do fight. I, I don't want to see a world where Francis goes out, signs with somebody else, or he doesn't have the backing of the UFC and fights Tyson Fury. I don't want that. I'm too big of a UFC right. fan. I see that too. It's very hard to be mad at Francis in this. One thing Francis has done is he's remained polite. He hasn't called names. He hasn't raised his voice. He shared with us, the audience, the inner intricacies of his contract, which was none of our business, but now he let everybody know, here's where I'm at. I'm going to renegotiate. Here's what I'm going to ask for. It's, it's real hard to be mad at Francis. Now, I don't see a value in Francis Ngannou going over and boxing. I don't see a value in Conor McGregor fighting Floyd Mayweather. I see a value with a lot of commas and zeros in the city reigning UFC world champion going over and doing something else. I also think it's a big mistake by those guys to not make it boxing. Tyson Fury's come out and said, we're going to do it in four-ounce gloves and we're no, going to no, change no. all the rules. Well, that becomes a problem. You and I who are on the internet, we're big influencers and big voices in this sport. We can cover it if we want, but what do you do at SportsCenter? What does Jim Rome do? What does Dan Lebetard do that are talking to the audience? I mean, what do you call that? If we're not calling it boxing and we're not calling it MMA, what are we trying to tell the fans that they're going to go and do? And also, what's on the line? There's got to be something at risk. If Tyson Fury wants to put his beautiful record up for grabs, 
that's a storyline. But if we're going to call it a different sport, and regardless of the outcome, it doesn't reflect the sport that Tyson's dedicated his life to. I just think it's weird. I, I don't know why they would. If you change one rule, you've now changed the sport. I think you got to put it in the gloves, of which Francis isn't going to care. Tyson Fury comes from a sport where they negotiate the ounce of the gloves. They negotiate if they're made in China or if they got horse hair or if they were made in uh, Mexico. They watch the opponent put it on. We don't do that in MMA. We don't give a goddamn. You set up the rules and we'll come fight you. It is the major difference between us and boxers. And I'm not sure that Tyson knows that. So don't change anything. Keep it in a 17 by 17 ring. Keep it 10 rounds, three minutes with a one minute break. Keep it boxing. Keep it a sport. Don't go make up something. If you're going to make something up, you guys might as well go arm wrestle. We don't care. Something has to be at risk. And I do think that Francis needs to do it as the UFC champion, not just as Francis Ngannou, a guy with a zero and zero boxing record. I agree 100%. But, and I also think that's where the influence of Dana White and the UFC would come into play and go, no, 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 no. We're not doing this weird shit with this weird rules and different gloves. I would imagine, you know, no one's better at promotional uh, entertainment than Dana White. And he knows if you make this thing confusing for the casuals that what is it It, it's the the former ufc champion fighting in four ounce gloves inside what is it in a cage what are we doing here you're gonna miss out on the casuals and that's where they're gonna make their 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 big payday so that again that's another reason i would love for them to figure out a deal i really do i hope it works out and i think it is gonna work out hopefully rather sooner than later but the big thing is 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 the comeback of john jones and it sounds like you know, depend where they're at with Francis, John's going to probably fight Stipe. That's the rumor. I don't know. You know more than I do. You work for him. But, you know, I think John Stipe makes a lot of sense. Are you are you a fan of that fight for John? Big fan. Big fan. I think the only question we're figuring out is, are we fighting for the interim championship or the undisputed championship? If Francis really is going to lock in and not come back, we might have to take the belt off of him. I mean, I, th- I think in all fairness, the other side is Francis just fought and he's hurt. Everybody else gets a period of time. You get to rehab. You get to talk, not just because you say certain things to the media, they take the belt off you, but I do feel like that's the delay. Stipe has been oddly quiet, and John Jones has been oddly quiet. Generally, when that happens, it's because a deal's already done, and they've been told, don't say anything, we're going to release this. If I was to predict for you with my limited information that I just laid out, what the holdup is, I think that's it. We don't know to make the announcement if it's for the interim or if it's for the undisputed strap, but that's the fight to make. I got one source on it, which is Stipe's wife she and i are pen pals she told me in no uncertain terms we're here in john jones and we're prepared to fight him i also asked her by the way one thing that stipe said after he fought francis and Gano, he was seeing the path back to his championship is going through francis and be a true trilogy fight they both split let's go to number three he said i'm going to put on 20 pounds i'm going to put it on the right way though i'm going to put on 20 pounds of muscle stipe miocic at 255 is a very different stipe than the 236 that he fought francis at i like that idea now i'm told that stipe is already succeeded his wife said he's got on the right size he's very lean so a 255 stipe versus a 240 john jones man i'm in for that all day i like that matchup i love it i i I, it's too close to break down right now i i'm usually hesitant just from my own experience when the guys put on weight they get slower their cardio is not as good and maybe for stipe's like you know I'm, i'm going there knock guys out so i'm putting on more weight you know, John said he wants to get up to 280, put on all this weight. When I hear that, I, I kind of, I flinch a little bit because I'm like, John, your advantages at heavyweight is your your fighting IQ is going to be second to none, your, your creativity, and then also your speed and quickness. If you get big like all the other heavyweights, you're just another guy, my man. 
Like we don't want to take away what's going to make you special at heavyweight. So I don't like it when guys put on weight, but I do think Stipe at you know at the latter part of his career it makes a little sense there. But I would absolutely be stoked if that fight comes to fruition. Stipe versus John, sign me up all freaking day, man. Take my money. Yeah, and, and as you said, we've got a lot of a lot of time to talk here, but I don't know if a weigh-in would ever be more relevant than between mm-hmm. those two. Because I'm with you. I think that John Jones is a rare talent. I think John Jones 220, 225, what he weighed when he cut to 205, I think it was enough. I think he could have picked apart a lot of guys. I think he could have used that speed, his endurance. Doesn't work overly hard by reputation, but boy, he never gets tired on fight night. I thought those were his advantages. He wanted to change his physiology, and that wasn't from a physical standpoint. It was just psychologically, John thought, I need to be bigger. Okay, I'm up for the experiment, but Steve Miocic got so small. He weighed at 231 pounds for his third fight with Daniel Cormier. That was stunning. Mm. We all thought he went on like a vegan diet or he, he had changed something. How are you so small? He finally answered the question. He said, none of those things. He said, I'm eating all of the same foods. We're just working really hard. This is just what I weigh. All right, I'll accept that. But to remind you, he wants to get back to 255. When he did some of his best work, he was 248. So I do think that bigger Stipe is a better Stipe. And if the entire allure to John Jones at this weight class is how can he do against a bigger man, we need to make sure the man is bigger. And right now, with John claiming on Instagram he's 242 and Stipe's last fight went at 236, right now we don't fulfill that. John's still the bigger man. So I really am <laughs> interested in the weight of both guys. Yeah, I, I think, too, again, uh, to wrap this up, with, with John, I've trained with John. I've seen John spar some of the greatest heavyweights that we've ever seen inside that UFC octagon in a Shark Tank round. Big boys, man. And absolutely manhandle him. Didn't lose a single yeah. round. Shark Tank. He stays in world-class heavyweights coming in him tossing people around, man. So that's why I'm like, yeah, you don't need to do all this, dude. You're right. Re- you're good to go right now. Sign sealed delivered. You're ready to go be UFC heavyweight champion right now. And then you win that fight. And, fr- and th- that's where I think Francis team needs to realize if John is who he say says he is and who I believe he is, you know, outside all the uh, the outside shenanigans, which is a whole nother story. But if John gets his shit together and beats Stipe, which is tough, but if he does, John Jones Francis for and it's and it, if him and uh, Stipe fight for the interim belt, Francis has the real belt. John Jones Francis, dude, we're going Sizzler. And then so not only do you have John Jones Francis, but then you also got the Fury fight. So if I'm the UFC and I'm Francis. The UFC, how much freaking money are we going to make off Francis re-signing with us? Let's pay him what he what you sure. know, what, what he wants, and then also that that Fury fight. I mean, dude, you're talking about history, dude. I'm I'm all for it. I hope sure. they figure it out. I really do. Uh, I'll get you. I'll, yeah, go ahead. I think you're right. And I think Francis can get there. I'm just wondering the order of it. Like, let's say Francis exhausts this contract and he does, does the Fury business. If he loses to Fury, he's hard to bring back, right? I mean, people are still going to view that as a loss. If he beats Fury and every promoter, Vince McMahon does this more than any promoter. It's why he let Brock go over there. What happens if he loses? Okay, but what happens if Brock wins and I got him under contract? So if Francis was to beat Fury and then return, I mean, right, Francis can still get his way. It's a risky game. It's a little too rich for my blood and I'm a gambler, but it's possible, Brendan. It could happen. Yeah. Yeah. Never say never. But man, that is a tough hill to climb there, man. You got a big right hand. You don't think Fury's seen that? He just dismantled Deontay Wilder, who has a giant right hand and is a, you know, is a world champion boxer. So you're coming from the UFC. You think you're going to land that? 
Hopefully he does. You know, and Tyson Fury is my favorite fighter, whether it's MMA or boxing. I absolutely love Fury. I'll, I'll, I'll end on this. You know, obviously it's a, it's a, it, it, it's a dark way to end our conversation. You know, I love you. But with, with Cain Velasquez, it's just such a tragic story, man. It's such a tragic, tragic story. And I talked to, to a lawyer about this because, you know, I, I reached out to DC and Josh Thompson are very close with Cain Velasquez. I said, how can I help, man? What can I do? What, do you need me to raise money? You need my lawyer. I have big, high-profile lawyers. They're based out of LA. They work with the biggest names in the business. How can I help, man? Let me know what I can do. And so I talked to my lawyer, and he goes, it's, this is a very black and white situation. Clearly, you know, obviously, Kane's UFC alumni, and you love the guy and stuff like that, because the law doesn't care. It's very black and white. The premeditated stuff where he had days to think about this and put together a plan, that's what's going to screw him. So you have to hope it goes to a jury because obviously, you know, uh, a a child of his or a family member was molested by this man. You have to hope it goes to a jury and they have compassion and they give him a lesser sentence. You got to pray to God it goes to a jury. It's just the whole situation is just heartbreaking, man. It's absolutely heartbreaking. It's tough. This would be a shot in the dark. I don't predict for you this would happen, but in the best case scenario, the family and the person who was accused, who says I didn't do it. I mean, we kind of do owe it to him. He says he didn't do it. He's been convicted of nothing. Shane Kane shot the wrong guy. It's hard to make a case. He shot the wrong person, not to mention it was in public where those bullets could have gone anywhere. And it turns out our friend Velasquez ain't that good at, at aiming. So, but imagine a scenario where the guy who was accused, the family of the guy who was accused comes in to court and testifies for Kane. They say, look, we didn't do this, but we understand the fury. We love children, too. This was a misunderstanding. Please go light on him. And you have a sympathetic jury. I mean, I'm saying a lot of buts right now. I'm saying a lot of ifs. It's a hard spot. It is pretty black and white. I'd like to make a case for Kane. The best or least that I could do is to tell the world what a nice man this is, what a calm man this is, regardless of what you saw on television. This was a bad moment. Brendan, if I could go back, if I, if I had a magic wand to go back and this never happened, that would be best because he, he, he shot a guy that it or shot at a guy who is not yet convicted who says he's innocent we got to give him that and secondly he hit the wrong guy it's a tough spot brendan yeah and uh, to to your point and i'm just again i i don't i'm not a lawyer this will surprise you guys i'm not a lawyer but is there a world where kane could offer a settlement to the family or because this is above are we past that can he offer a settlement yeah yeah we're past that when you sh- we're, we're past that. We're past that, but there could be some room to talk. If somebody there understood and goes, "Look, your mind was a mess." Let me explain to you what happened for my right. I mean, sometimes you do get people that are reasonable. Most times, people just go, "This happened to me, and I'm coming back for justice." But some people are reasonable. Maybe Kane could do a settlement in exchange. Come in and tell this to the judge. Hey, we understand why he had lost his mind. He operated on information he had. We don't agree with that information, but we do understand if he believed it, he did what he thought a father could do. I mean, in this kind of a situation, only a jury is going to let Kane see the light of day in the next decade. He's probably going to sit. Yeah, because premeditated minimum sentence, 15 years, my man. You just hate to see it. You hate to see it because, you know, I don't know if it was his son, daughter, whatever, family member, but now that child has grown up without a father because of these actions. So, you know, it's just a a lose-lose situation, man. And, you know, I know that... I do think you can start to work backwards, by the way. I mean, right now he's at, he's at premeditated murder. If Kane could convince somebody, no, it, I shot exactly where I meant to hit him. I never intended to kill him. It's assault with a deadly weapon. It's not a lot better. I'm just sharing for you in the world of law. We can start to work down. Yeah. 
And I don't know that he has to sit on, on premeditated. He certainly didn't attempt to, to, to kill the guy who he shot, shot the wrong guy. But you can start to work backwards where this was reckless. This was a deadly weapon. This isn't going to be great, but it's not what we're sitting on today. Yep. I just, you know, I pray for the guy. And I hope it works out, man. You hate to see it. Chael, I love you, man. What do you got now? You got ESPN stuff? What are you just chatting about? Colby? I'm gonna, I, I did ESPN. I'm going to do Teddy Atlas's show. I got invited. By the way, you paid me a nice compliment at the beginning of the show. You said Josh Barnett said some nice things about me. That made me feel wonderful. I just wanted to give a shout out. Josh Barnett, top three fighter ever. If you discuss the top three heavyweights ever and you don't put Josh Barnett on your list, I feel you lose credibility. That meant a lot to me that he said something nice. So thank you for yeah, that. Yeah, Josh loves you. Matt Mitrione loves you. And have you had Josh on any of your shows? I've had Josh on, yes. Uh, when I very first started a podcast, he came on very Smart early. Guy. You know, he's such an interesting Smart guy. guy. Yeah, he's going to pro wrestling. Like, he's really diverse. He's a curious guy. He's a great mind. Sometimes I feel that he gets excluded from our community, and I don't know why, because he's one of the most knowledgeable guys within the entire sport. And when, when he starts to share his ideas and visions, man, the guy's sharp. No, I love Josh Barnett, man. I love you too, brother. And I wish, next time, let's do this in person, man. I know you're swamped. And we got busy schedules. Let's figure it out. I'm never too busy for you, and I love you too. Thank you, Brandon. Talk right, soon. There you have it. One of my favorite people on the planet, Chael Sonnen. None better than Chael to break down anything when it comes to the fight game. He also has been in the biggest fights of all time with Anderson Silva, John Jones, Nate Mark Hart, um, to just name a few. Absolutely love Chael Sonnen. And also, he's a Kobe Compton expert. That's his boy, so... Um, wanted him on here after a big Colby Compton fight. And uh, he made some good points, man. You know, Colby's kind of in this weird position, and it's going to be interesting to see what they do with him. It really is. So shout out to Chael Sonnen. Go like, subscribe to his podcast. To me, he's the most entertaining, best doing it uh, in our sport. So go like and subscribe to Chael Sonnen's YouTube channel and his podcast. And the guy's crushing. I absolutely love him. And uh, that's the show. That's it, my man. few housekeeping notes. Uh, I will be in Nashville, Tennessee at Zany's this Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um, all shows are damn near sold out. Uh, Friday night, late show. We have uh, a good amount of tickets left, so get on those right now. Nashville, those shows will sell out. Can't add more shows. I just can't do it. So get your tickets right now at thickboy.com. Um, and then the Wednesday, uh, this Wednesday, I'll be at the Improv Shop and Friends Jeff Dye, Trevor Wallace, Chris D'Elia, Brian Callen, Chappelle Lacey. The boys are all there. One night, one show only, 8 p.m., Hollywood Improv. That's this Wednesday, then Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Nashville. I end the month in Chicago at the Schomburg Improv, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Chicago. So get your tickets at thickboy.com. Uh, check out the recent food truck on Thick Boy with Michael Chandler. And then we also got the Calabas fight campaign with the war master himself, Josh Barnett and Matt Mitrione. Go check all that out at thickboy.com. Uh, like, subscribe, do your thing. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Shout out to Chael Sonnen. Love you guys. Stay safe. Stay thick.